Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. This episode, I have new advice on whether it's time to buy a car and also some alternative ideas if you got to get transportation right now. And later, I'm going to do a back to basics as we're in a time of year people are making these decisions about something that just confuses people no end, HSAs. What are they? How do you get one? And then the other thing that just confounds people, HSA, FSA, all these initials, what's the difference? Huge. One is potentially over time much more beneficial than the other. So, car market. It's been a mess because of the COVID cycle. And now the market is healing gradually, steadily, and more and more automakers. In fact, there's something that the auto industry operates on. It's a theoretical day's supply of inventory that supposedly the maximum efficient point of having the right number of vehicles to serve the market and max profitability for the manufacturer is to have what's known as a 60-day supply of vehicles, meaning that if they stop manufacturing today, they'd already have in a pipeline what would serve the next 60 days of the market. Well, automakers have been at single-digit days supply, which means effectively, if you have driven by dealer lots, you see nothing but used vehicles on their lots, and these acres and acres and acres that would usually be filled with new vehicles, empty. But gradually, that is healing. In fact, the latest data shows a 30-plus day supply average and the automobile industry, meaning that it's halfway back to what would be considered to be ideal for the manufacturers. Now, dealers have loved what's been going on because dealers have done something they have never been able to do in their history except on a hot new model that's just become available. They are selling above MSRP in so many cases, manufacturers suggested retail price. But now more and more dealers are advertising that they're selling at MSRP, which is funny because that was not something you used to brag about as a dealer because normally dealers were discounting from MSRP. So we've been in a very odd cycle that brand by brand is in a healing process. Now, let's say you want a new vehicle right now. I want to repeat something I've said over the last year, 
And that is if you want a new vehicle, you widen your search even as far as across the country. Because the price difference can be so substantial from one dealer to another, there is enormous potential benefit for you shopping much wider than you would have in the past. And I've noticed something like you go on Auto Trader, and a lot of times dealers in their listings will only show you MSRP. And you have to contact them for the price, which means they're trying to get above the suggested retail on those vehicles. Other dealers posting an actual price on the vehicle. And so the market is going through an adjusting phase right now. Some brands are still severely constricted on supply. One in particular is Toyota, still really short of inventory. I saw a story in the Detroit Free Press this past week listing what brands General Motors makes that now the models are in good supply. And so we're at a point that that's becoming part of the conversation, being in good supply. But the market will not normalize till, depending on the brand, the make and the model, sometime typically in 23. We're seeing normalizing processes underway, but we're not normal yet. So what do you do if you have to have a vehicle, you're, let's say you're in a wreck, you like to keep vehicles a really long time, I have something so counterintuitive to share with you that I last discussed probably half a year ago, and it's the SIXT program, S-I-X-T, SIXT.com. They are a privately held European car rental agency that is kind of quiet in the United States, although they've been growing. They are offering a subscription program on cars right now where you choose the subscription you'd like to do and you can do it for a short period of time or a longer period of time. It's not a lease and it's not a normal car rental, but you pay a monthly rate with an enrollment fee. The enrollment fee with Sixth is 200 bucks. And then what you pay for a car per month, including pretty much everything, it's like one price does it, I wouldn't say all, but close, starts at $5.99 a month, which is lower than it's been. And there are deals being offered right now on some models where you don't pay the $200 enrollment fee, you just pay the monthly fee. The prices, though, vary. Like I'm looking right now for people in the Fort Myers area, they're waiving enrollment fee on most of the vehicles because of what people have suffered with the destruction of their vehicles in the hurricane. That's a nice thing. Sixth is in all the large markets, some of the smaller markets. There are several models in the sixes per month. And you may wonder, why would I who's always about buying a vehicle and owning it for an ultra long time, whether you buy new or used, why would I, in my right mind, be saying, hey, this would be a worthwhile thing to consider doing the sixth subscription program if you got to have wheels right now? The reason is, is that normalizing process that the vehicle market is going through, used vehicle prices are declining right now. 
but they're still at a very elevated level. The new vehicles will get more and more available. So buy yourself some time, potentially with a subscription, and then when you find that the vehicle you're interested in is at the price point you're comfortable with for a new or used, there's no harm, no foul. You terminate your subscription with six, and you get in the new to you, new or used vehicle. So I have never, outside of this unusual COVID-related vehicle cycle we've been in, I've never recommended anything like this. But right now, I think the math does work. Krista? have a few car questions. This is from Amy in South Carolina. I have a 2010 Volkswagen that will probably in the next year or so need some major work. Ultimately, I believe the repair cost will be well beyond 50% of the car's current value. I can probably put off the work for a while, but I'm concerned that the car won't be reliable for five hour drives to see my family, which is important to me. The car is paid off and I can technically pay cash for a, a reliable used car. My question is, do I hold out another six months with my fingers crossed and just fly to see my family for the holidays or do I go ahead and buy something new? So Amy, if you're right that the vehicle is going to croak and need major repairs, I mean, it'll be a 13-year-old Volkswagen, you're going to be really, really upset with me that I'm going to encourage you to roll the dice. And I would also encourage you when you do go to see family on that five-hour drive that you rent a car for that instead of driving your Volkswagen. That'll buy more life in it, and you won't be stranded on a road trip if you rent a vehicle for that time. Yes, I could put you in a bind, but the reality is, as I mentioned, used vehicles are getting more affordable month by month now. I talked about how CarMax just reported terrible numbers. Carvana's stock has fallen off a cliff because that mania with used vehicles and used vehicle prices is closing out. So they're only going to get cheaper with time, which is why the gamble is worth it to roll the dice. And if I end up putting your wallet in a corner with something bad, wrong with that vehicle coming up because I encourage you to stick with it. I apologize in advance, but the odds favor you continuing to drive it and let the vehicle prices decline. Kathy in Pennsylvania says, I'm a 54-year-old single gal, and I am looking ahead to buy a car in the next 12 to 18 months. My annual mileage is less than 10000 a year. With auto loan monthly payments increasing these days, I'm struggling to pay off these loans five or even seven years later. At the end of those five to seven years, my car expense for maintenance is so high, the vehicle becomes a money pit. I'm thinking of turning to leasing versus buying in the future. Are there any automobile manufacturers who offer maintenance included or insurance plans to help me pay for these additional expenses? I purchased an extended warranty in the past and paid an additional $2,300 out of pocket only to have the extended warranty company go out of business within 12 months. Okay, so uh, first things first, almost nobody's leasing a car right now because the financing, you know, there's a company financing a lease, essentially. They cannot calculate with any comfort 
what the vehicles will be worth three, four, or five years from now on the leases. So the monthly lease payments have gone through the roof because they know the prices are going to drop to normal prices. They don't know how quick, how far they're coming. And so leasing is broken right now. Don't do it under any circumstances. I've never been a fan of leasing anyway, but right now it does not work. So if you're not a member of a credit union yet, I want you to go join one, Kathy, because credit unions will help substantially with these increases we've seen in loan rates on new auto loans and used auto loans because credit unions are so much cheaper on the vehicle loans than a bank or especially a car dealer. So you do that, you're able to pull back some of that cost. And on the answer about a vehicle that's not going to eat you up down the road, the safest answer has been Hyundai and Kia that still offer extremely generous warranties on their vehicles for most anything, depending on your miles. You'll get five years really wide coverage. You'll get 10 years on the core engine transmission components, and that would buy you a lot of peace of mind on the wallet, and you wouldn't have to even consider even remotely buying an extended warranty. Olga in Oregon says, I went to a dentist and asked for a checkup and cleaning. The dentist tacked on additional charges such as rinsing and advice, and I disputed them. He removed the advice charge after I submitted a complaint to my insurance company. However, the unwanted service charge of $137 is my responsibility. I refuse to pay for it. However, they sent the bill to collections. What can I do? Okay, Olga, you are not the first person we've heard from on this. I don't need any dentist being furious at me, but we've been hearing more and more of this kind of thing with crazy large ancillary charges on dental visits. And it has become such a thing that before going to a dentist, call them and see what fees there are that they charge that are not going to be covered by dental insurance. And there will be things like these made-up ancillary charges that you'll be hit with because what the dentists are unhappy about with the dental plans is that the reimbursements they're getting, like doctors are having with the health insurers, that the reimbursements are, in the opinion of the dentist, way too low. And so the dentists are going outside the box And the consultants of the dental practices are recommending all these made-up charges. And so you need to know up front what they are and not after a visit. As far as your situation, know that this bill could really harm your credit for a substantial period of time. I would dispute the validity of the debt in writing with the collection agency. The collection agency has to send you a written demand for this. And your dispute would be based on this not having been a disclosed charge, and you have disputed it with the dentist, and you dispute its validity, and that because it is disputed, you want them to know that they are creating risk for themselves if they report this to any credit bureau. How a collection agency will respond to that, don't know. And what happens in these cases is you can end up in the school of hard knocks. 
that you end up having to absorb the charge to protect your credit and know that in the future, the lesson learned is that this is how dentistry is playing at a lot of practices now. And so that's why verifying the charges in advance before you come in is going to have to be part of our toolkit when we go to a dentist and even for repeat visits to an existing dentist because the consultants may have invaded and may have come up with all these phony charges from your last visit or years of going there till your next visit. And Dennis, I appreciate hearing from you how you would suggest I answer that question because you might not like the way I just answered that at all. Uh, Coming up ahead, we're going to stick with a health-related thing. We're going to talk about HSAs that seem to confuse people so much but have remarkable benefits potentially for you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the time of year so many of us are trying to decide on our health coverage that we might get through an employer or we're looking at buying our own. And there's a term thrown around every open enrollment season, HSA, confuses people so much. And at the same time, it's one of the coolest things we can have offered to us as a long-term strategy to financial security. How could something with health care and health coverage end up building long-term financial security? Well, this is weird, but the way this plays is an HSA stands for Health Savings Account. And it's this weirdo thing that allows you to put in money pre-tax into an account, have the money grow tax-free through the years, and then spend it on eligible medical expenses tax-free. So you got pre-tax dollars going in, pre-tax dollars grow, they're never taxed, the earnings are never taxed, and then the money is spent for that. So it is better than a Roth. That's right. I'm the man from Roth, and it's better than a Roth. But you got to know how it plays. First rule of thumb, you have to buy a health insurance plan that is what's known as HSA eligible, which if your employer doesn't offer one, conversation's over. If your employer does offer one, you need to know how it works. 
you have to have a plan with a deductible. And the deductibles are not crazy high how health insurance works these days. If you're just buying insurance for yourself, it has to have a deductible of at least $1,500. If you're buying family coverage, it has to have an annual deductible of at least $3,000. Your employer may offer one that's an HSA-eligible plan that has higher deductibles than that, but they can offer one that has those limits, $1,500, $1,500 individual, $3,000 for a family. So a plan that has a deductible that high or higher may not be HSA eligible because it has to have a tight cap on overall out-of-pocket expenses for you. So that's how much you could, if somebody has a really bad, serious illness, injury, accident, the maximum out-of-pocket that you could face as an individual is $7,500 for a plan to be HSA eligible and for a family, $15,000. We're talking big money now, but what's so weird about health coverage is a lot of non-HSA eligible plans have these big cumulative out-of-pockets in a year for a major illness, injury, or accident. So it's easier and easier for an employer to offer an HSA-eligible plan. So why am I so jazzed about these? Because you can put money into these that allow you to put as an individual in a plan. You can put $3,850 in, family $7,750. And if you're older, over 55, you can add 1000 to those amounts. So that money, remember, is pre-tax dollars. So it's like the government is giving you a booster shot of an additional, let's say, 30% going into that HSA because you're putting in not after-tax dollars to pay medical bills. You're paying in with pre-tax dollars that then, remember, grow tax-free through the years and then ultimately can be spent tax-free on eligible medical. But the math only is incredible if you do something weird that goes against everything I just said. You pay current medical expenses, the deductibles, that kind of stuff, if you can afford to out of pocket, which by the way, then you're using after tax dollars to pay those bills. Why would I have you walk away from using money you put aside pre-tax It was designed to pay current medical bills. And I tell you, oh, let that grow and then use your after-tax dollars to pay current medical bills. Because the long-term math of having that money grow tax-free and then ultimately way down the road being able to use it tax-free is so incredibly positive that it just works for you. And if you're one of those people who's very healthy or won't go to doctors, then you're growing that money tax-free, ultimately to be used tax-free. Yes, ma'am. Question. What if you use a flexible spending account, savings, flexible spending account through work for health care to pay all your deductibles? You can't. You can't do both. You can't do both. You can only have one or the other. And I'm glad you asked that because I get a lot of questions from people who don't get this FSA versus HSA thing. 
an FSA is a benefit an employer offers where you can put a certain amount of money into a pre-tax account, but it has to be used for that current year or bleeds a little bit in the next year, depending on what your employer permits, for unreimbursed medical expenses like deductibles, prescription drugs, over-the-counter meds, all that. But you use it or lose it. If you never use the money or all of it in a year, the employer just scarfs it, and it's their money. It was your money you were paid, but you lose it. The HSA is the opposite. The rewards with an HSA are all set up to not use the money and let it continue to grow. But if you need the money, you can use it, and you benefit. One last thing about HSAs that confuses people, you can do your HSA pretty much anywhere. Your employer will normally have a default option that's pretty crummy at most employers with very high expenses, but you can do an HSA with somebody like Fidelity at extremely low cost and go in any traditional Fidelity investments. This is especially valuable to people that are self-employed buying their own coverage who are owning a business. You can grow that money in very low-cost funds and way down the road have a massive pile of tax-free money. It's really cool. As long as your health insurance is HSA compliant. Right. But if you, let's say you're in a year that you have an HSA plan, the money can stay in there forever, even if you're no longer in an HSA eligible plan. It just means in that following year, you can't contribute to it. Lou in New York Your question was about this. I hope that answered it. Okay. Amy in Ohio uh, says, I work for a large hospital system that during benefit open enrollment offers the ability for employees to enroll in different money saving programs. One is a legal program where for a fee of $20.65 a pay period or $537 a year, we can have access to legal assistance. My husband and I are in our 40s and would like to obtain a will and a power of attorney. I have no idea where to start and wondered what your opinion of this company benefit would be. Okay, so I should tell you things go in cycles. And if you go back for years, but not in recent years, we used to get this question all the time from people who had this as an option at work. It was a thing that employers would offer that made it look like they were offering you a benefit, but they weren't costing them anything. And these legal assistance subscription plans are not a scam. I want to make that clear. This is not a scam, but I would say it's not a good use of your money. And the reason people buy them is the exact reason you stated. Hey, we don't have wills, we don't have power of attorney, We'd like to do that work, and this will just be paid for through the subscription. Mm -mm. Go hire a lawyer, particularly if you and your husband have a decent amount of assets. Go hire a lawyer who specializes in wills, estates, and trusts. Have them do the wills for you. Have them do the power of attorney. Or if your situation is really simple, go look at Willmaker or LegalZoom and see what it would cost to do your own will Because if your situation is simple, no blended families and minor children, blah, 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 not a lot of money, you don't own your own business, you can do your own or hire a lawyer to do it for the piecework of doing those things. But these legal subscription services, I've found that people pay for them month after month and never use them and they've spent all that money. 
Debbie in Arizona says, is it my imagination or has the cost of shipping packages gone through the roof? I sent some homemade jelly to a friend, $35 through the U.S. Postal Service. And of course, it's impractical to shop around. Once I've waited in line at the post office, it's not like I'm going to turn around and go check out UPS and then FedEx to get the best price. Have you or your team ever gone to that trouble to come to a conclusion of the most economical shipping method? Okay, so this has come up repeatedly lately uh, because people have seen the massive price increases from uh, FedEx, UPS, and the Postal Service on shipping packages. And the reliability, unfortunately, has gone down at the same time. So we have a review at Clark.com of PirateShip.com, which is a great way for you to cut costs. Uh, I have a daughter across the country, and we use PirateShip every time we send her stuff. And it's stunning how much money it saves us. And basically, it's group buying power. You know, big companies don't pay the rates to ship that normal earthlings like you and me or a small business pays because they're able to go to a carrier like FedEx, UPS, Postal Service, the rates are set. But anyway, you can go to them and say, okay, so we're going to ship 10,000 packages a week and what's your deal? And they'll negotiate. But for you and me, they're like, this is our price. So Pirate Ship and other organizations like it give you the ability to use group buying power to get much lower prices. On overnight or speedy delivery, the discounts are gigantic. On packages, they are more modest, but they're worth it. Also, USAA members, USAA has a negotiated rate program with FedEx that the prices just got better for USAA members. And many organizations we're part of have the ability to get lower prices by being part of the organization. Um, had to end with this story from Justin in Illinois. Clark Smart win. My son wanted to stop for ice cream at a local shop. We did, but I couldn't swallow the price for one small ice cream. So we left and went to Aldi. We got a standard carton of ice cream and a box of waffle cones. We were able to enjoy ice cream with the whole family for $3.43. <laughs> one small ice cream at the shop would have cost $5.40. Forget about naming your next dog Aldi. Just change Grant's name to Aldi, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> My kids hate Aldi, and I love it so much. Okay, so you have Justin telling this story. Do you know I just mirrored this completely? Oh, wow, no. I was at a scoop shop, and I was going to get a scoop, and it was $6.5. Mm. So I didn't get it. And I'd walk to it. And so then I just walked to the Aldi in my neighborhood because I just walked there. And I got their private label super premium ice cream. I got a pint for $2.99. It was all for me. Sorry, Justin. I wasn't sharing it with the whole family. (laughs) But that's what I do on treat day is I eat junk. But I'd really, people kept raving about this scoop shop. So I went there and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't spend the six and a half on it. And so then I had my Aldi, which was, I had the uh, cherry, whatever they call it, cherry chocolate chunk or something. It was really, really good. It was two ninety nine. Nice. I and, know you love your ice cream. And so Aldi came to the rescue again from my wallet, which was the point of Justin's story mm-hmm. as well. Thank you, Justin. 
And I want to thank you for sharing that with us. We love hearing from you. I love your feedback, positive, negative, in between. When I have part of my brain not functioning, I leave out part of the story and you're like, Clark, what you said is true, but incomplete. You should have also said, we get a lot of those, don't we? Sometimes, not a ton. Yeah, I I got a big eye like in school. We used to have eyes on our report oh, cards. Do you ever have eyes for incomplete? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I remember the teachers used to say, I was a delightful kid. I just would do better if I did my assignments. Well, you know what tomorrow is. It's a special day on the Clark Howard podcast. Clark remember, Stinks? Well, not just Clark Stinks. A double dose of Clark Stinks, remember? Oh, that's right. We promised mm-hmm. that because we're backed up. I have upset so many people that our stack of Clark Stinks is like this. So we're going to do Double Clark Stinks. We've never done that, have we? We have never done it. So big old report card coming for you tomorrow. Wow. Well, you know, as I told the story years ago, I was such an um, indifferent student that I w- went to school before computers. And so you got the handwritten slips from each teacher. They're all white paper, but they'd either be printed in red, green, or black. Green meant that you excelled in that class. Black meant you were a normal student in the class. Red was when you were in trouble in that class. Which color did I see a lot? Oh, a lot of red, huh? A lot of red. (laughs) Now, Krista, on the other hand, only got green. I got red over, well, actually, you, you're younger. You came up when they had computers. Well, you did okay. So I Are think you, you sure? Tu- you turned out just fine. I you turned know. out very green. <laughs> For someone who'd been very red as a kid. Well, thank you so much. And please tune in tomorrow to hear the special edition Clark Stinks Wall to Wall. 